Well, hello, everyone. This is another episode, our third episode of the History of Music podcast. I'm Harrison Zybrook, and this is WCCS podcast. And if my guest would like to introduce themselves. Yes, I would. I am Sharon Rose Zyberg. Thank you for having me. Yep. So basically how this podcast works is that I uh, looked up a musician or and I know I now know a lot about that person, or at least I think I do, although I'm sure I will end up saying things that are untrue or factually wrong because I gave myself a week. So I did not, I, the artist for this week is Billie Holiday. I knew almost nothing about her besides that she sort of had a high singing voice a week ago. And now after watching documentaries and reading her ghost written autobiography and some other things, I would say I know quite a bit about her life story. Now guest host, who I refer to as mom, do you know anything about Billie Holiday? Um, probably as much as you did before. Um, doing your research. So I'm wide open to this and we'll be asking questions um, as we go along. Yeah. So to start off, basically for anyone who's going to listen to this, which I watch and people have been listening to some have, she has a very sad, in many aspects, life story or start to it. She, her mom was very young teenager when uh, she had Billy uh, her father was not much older, so she come basically her mom was only like thirteen years older than her. Oh. So that's already a tough situation. Grew up in Baltimore in poverty and had a lot of like difficult situations because her parents obviously were teenagers when they had them. When she had they had her, they weren't really together. And she just goes through a lot of sort of early tragedies, which one like what, is what were some? So one is that she was sexually assaulted. And the assaulter went to jail for a little bit, but she was punished as well. And she basically gets sent to like a Catholic reform school type thing. Um, and in that, there's a story that she tells in her autobiography and was in some of the documentaries, but she was kept in this room overnight as punishment. And there was like, a, there was another student had died and she was also in that room. So she was basically in there for an entire night with this dead body, which goes back to another tragedy where basically she had died and her grandmother's or she, her grandmother had died while holding her and they had to break the grip because it was very tight on her. So two very emotionally traumatic right, things are, that yeah. happened and she grew up in poverty. Her mother was a maid. Um, I believe she ran away a few times. It was not a great, so she didn't have a good start. Right? She didn't have, have a good, good start. start. It was very Which difficult. It's hard because it's hard to overcome that. But then she basically walks into being a singer. It she she was not trained on it, but she had she um her her and her mom moved to Harlem, and she just visited clubs. And this is when like the Harlem it's like the time around the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great jazz and blues singers. Roughly, how old was she then? She would have been in her teens. So she was very very young. Basically, everything that you... Her timeline is like 10 years faster than a lot of other people's because of the situation which she grew up in. Mm -hmm. So she ends up... And she sort of... She's like, I need to make money. I'll audition to be a dancer. And she can't really dance. Had she had any kind of training? No, she's never any training. She auditions to be a dancer at this club and she can't dance. And they... She doesn't get laughed off the stage. We're like, okay. And she's sort of like, well, I need a job. Can I sing? And she does. And basically, that's like how she gets discovered. 
And she starts singing and said, oh, you can actually sing. So she sort of becomes a singer by accident. And then is that for the rest of her life from her teenage years? Did, did they put her in a sort of doing like solo stuff or chorus work at the beginning? Or did so they? From what I know is she was at a nightclub. I forget the name of it. And it's sort of like she just sort of had a set and she would do it. And so bet, at that point, just doing like cover songs of the time or. Yeah, I'm they, sure. I think she was a writer herself. But at that point in her career, I don't think she had started. But covers, she starts right. to get, I think, at 18 or 17, she records her first solo. Mm-hmm. And on, at least on Columbia Records. So she starts off in these jazz clubs and these nightclubs singing. Eventually, she goes on the road with different bands um, and a lot of. So at the time, it was the 1920s and 30s, and Harlem, a black singer, could perform. Right. Still facing discrimination because a lot of clubs weren't integrated. Right. But she starts traveling around the United States, and then she starts facing a lot of different types of discrimination. That, not to say she hadn't faced them before, but it was much more blatant, much more in her face. Because in Harlem, again, she was sort of amongst her own in her own community, left a lot of left-leaning people. She starts traveling around, and in some places... Right. Basically, she describes in the autobiography that she just sort of got tired of being the person who, like, she was always the person in the band. She traveled mostly with an all-white band that the band would get mad over, like, oh, you're not going to serve Billy. Like, they'd get mad because the people weren't going to serve them. And then she describes um, in the autobiography they're just sort of being tired of that. She was sort of tired that she had to be the... Right, the one that was... Pointed out as being, I can imagine. Yeah, like sometimes she just didn't want the fight. Right. And so she's traveling around the country. It's with Artie Shaw, who's a famous clarinet, jazz clarinet player. The, the, the Artie Shaw Orchestra. I did not know that. I've heard like the Artie. I've heard, definitely heard of Artie Shaw. So he's traveling around with them. And there's, um, and she faces racism pretty much wherever she goes. And one, and one performance, I think it's with, a, it's with a different band, but they actually want her to darken her skin because she was mm-hmm. more, I believe, light-skinned, at least mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the band, and said, oh, they won't, the audience won't like that. Right. Um, in other places, basically, this is funny, it was at the Abraham Lincoln Hotel. They said, hey, uh, Billy, we really, the guests don't like that you'll go on the elevator with them. Can you just use the freight elevator? Wow. And that basically, that's when she leaves the Artie Shaw band because she's just sort of through with that. She's through with touring. In segregated places, she was just sort of right. had had it, and she comes back. Comes back to to, to Harlem, to Harlem in New yeah. York, and basically in her autobiography, she keeps describing as every time I go back to New York, I'm always broke. So like she always just like well, she, she didn't get think, to keep I a think, lot of her money over her lifetime. I think too though, like touring is not typically a huge for a, a big money maker. From what mm-hmm. little I know of the different the music mm-hmm. yeah. uh, business that it's hard touring is a hard and especially because she wasn't grind. a solo act then she was right. with Depending a band on what she was i was going to ask like did she have a manager at the time or was she mostly self-managed so she, or so she had a like, manager get, you know was that was there was there anybody i'd wondered that like mm-hmm. being able to get her a better deal being able to look out for her financially where she didn't come from a family that was educated in that way mm-hmm. So she did have a manager. I believe his name was John Hammond, but I, I could be wrong with that. I know that's a figure in her life, but I forget. So she does have a manager. From what I've read, he wasn't like a great manager, mm-hmm. but he wasn't like mean, which a lot of the men in her life ended up being were abusive men. They were they stole a lot of them stole money from her. 
did not treat her right. She went through a lot of different, I think two marriages and a lot of relationships where they sort of always ended badly yeah, for her. Sure. Um, there's also aspects, which, which I forgot to mention, but in her youth, she went to jail. Oh. Um, I believe that at that time was actually called Welfare Island. She spent months there. And basically throughout her life, there'd be... What, was the, what, what were the charges against her? I believe she hit a person. Wow. Um, so she was definitely pro it's a, one of the documentaries mentioned this fact where she was definitely someone who didn't, wasn't going to be pushed around and was willing to like physically fight people, including women, men, like right. she was willing to stand up and fight for them or fight, fight them. And it was interesting isn't the right word, but then in her own personal relationships, she didn't as much always like mm -hmm. when a person she was in a relationship would abuse her. Oh, there are right. instances where she did stand up for herself. And again, the two documentaries I watched were very different in their depiction of her. Um, one mentioned the fact that she would get into fights. The second one I watched mentioned like, oh yeah, one time like her husband had done something and she literally held his head in the toilet for like a minute. And like to her, that's just sort of like, she wasn't going to get pushed around by anyone. Right. Well, well, I mean, you can go, you can, can study volumes on, the impact of abuse on mm -hmm. on somebody so mm -hmm. so it's definitely it sounds yeah. like a lot of it sounds like similar to right to the i mean sadly that you know that's the the path that that she also was on while she had the singing stuff she also had that personal stuff um but it does sound similar to lots of stories that you hear mm -hmm. about women who've gone through that so she does start to slowly like gain fame um, one of her most well-known songs, probably what she's remembered most for in circles I don't know a lot about her type of singing or just her career is the song Strange Fruit, which is about um, one of the first, really the first song, one of the earliest protest songs recorded, and it's about lynching. And basically, if you like, listen to the song, if you haven't heard of it, it was a poem first. It was brought to her actually by a New York Jewish writer. She records it and it basically becomes a standard throughout the rest of her career. She was like in her early 20s when she recorded it. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the first well-known protest songs. It's very vivid in its description of lynching. And it becomes basically people like ask for it to be performed because it is so powerful. But it's probably her most controversial song because... It wasn't right. really, it wasn't played on the... When did it come out? Like, when did she... That was in the 30s. Right. It actually came so... off of Commodore Records, which is was the record company that Billy Crystal's family ran. That's just a... Little tidbit there. That's a little, that's a link. A little... That, doesn't, he has, that has nothing <laughs> no, more to do with it. the story. But it's interesting. Basically, this song becomes famous. It's become much more famous as long as it's gone on, because right. really in the 30s, those records weren't getting to the south and to the middle of the United States. And it wasn't mm -hmm. getting played on radio because it was sort of seen as like, it's just too much to touch. They don't want to anger anyone, even right. on like left-leaning circles. Um, so, and also she, she wasn't the first one to record or the first one to perform it, but it definitely became associated with her. And re, in, in the civil rights movement, it wasn't a song that was sung by people because it was, it was not like, it wasn't a hopeful song. It's a graphic depiction of lynching, mm -hmm. but it's known as sort of bringing into the white consciousness of the country images of lynching and what it was and what was still happening. So it's just really, it's known 
It's probably her most famous song for people who don't know much did, about her. Did she at the time face any kind of repercussions for having recorded it? Did she get yeah, kind she of a was, backlash that people felt it wasn't? It was more. Something that should be out there. I won't say it was more of the same. But now the, like, she still was discriminated against as a black right. woman, but sort of the attacks may have turned more specific around that one around song. That song. Yep. Because, like, people were still, like, it's hard, I won't say, because things are happening before and after to her. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean, mean, like, yeah, was she targeted or anything like that? Like, I don't believe, I don't, of I, don't, that. I don't specifically believe so. It wasn't mentioned in biographies or the autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not, like, it was not a well-beloved song in all parts of the country by any means if they knew about the song. Right. Especially they're not being national. They're not like national radio, mm-hmm. less of a thing then. Like radio was obviously, TV wasn't around, so radio was the most popular form of mass entertainment. But right. it wasn't going to be. Right. Um, another important part of her life is her drug addiction. Now, this eventually would lead to her death at the age of 44. But it was basically, she got hooked very young. And again, what's interesting is in her own book, which was released, she talks about having like kicked the habit of writing. She, in it's right now as like a warning to young people to not try drugs Mm -hmm. because she knew what it could do to you. But in reality, she was basically sort of always on them. And she had a lot of enablers around her. Either people she was in relationships or friends or, and drug treatment isn't the best now in the United States. It was a lot worse in the (laughs) thirties. So she gets, um, she gets arrested. She gets sent off to, she gets sentenced to a year and a day in jail. And basically spends this entire year in, um, in a jail in West Virginia. And she doesn't sing the entire time. And then basically she's supposed to like, that's in her book. That's like, oh, where she like finally stopped. That's where like she like became cured as the terminology was. And then. In a, right, which we know is not. Yeah, it's not right, true. Because yeah, she's an addict with, right. If she was addicted, she needs continued support. Support. And then she comes out and basically in one of the documentaries it said, yeah, well, like I met her from the train station and she was already high again. So it's sort of this affliction that affects her for the rest of her life, for a large part of her life, and eventually will claim her life. So it's a very sad story of basically someone who tried to get better, who at least, although she probably didn't write her own autobiography, it was commissioned with her knowledge. Right, and she was aware that she had a problem. That's the sad part when people Mm -hmm. are aware. But like you said, there's still problems now with helping people. so yeah, but yeah, drug treatment was not. What year what did she die? What, do you, what year did she? Um, I believe in the early fifties. I don't know the exact year, but an interesting aspect about her, I guess, not interesting, but it's also sad, is that she was kept from playing in a lot of nightclubs because you had to have like a po- card given to you by the police, and basically, if you had a drug conviction, you couldn't get it. So she was. Wow. Kept from playing in New York nightclubs, and that was her base of operations. Eventually, she comes into contact with a person named John Levy. Um, John starts a relationship with um, another bad boyfriend. Basically, he mm-hmm. finds out ways to... What, to get her to sing? Get her to sing. And then 
ends poorly again and drug trouble again. Relationship with another person named Louis McKay again, trouble again. So it's sort of this sad string of events. So she had yeah. So she had a, re- a cycle. This strad, this very sad string of events following this very talented singer. And definitely, I've listened to her music and I've never heard another voice like that. But also, it's important to talk about how she's remembered, and that. Even people in the documentaries were saying that she shouldn't be seen as a sad figure, which I found interesting because the people were her friends. Mm-hmm. And they said, Jules, she lived her life like she wanted to. And I didn't know what to take from that because I don't think they meant that she lived her life like dying too young, yeah. dying from drug complications. But it's that she made the music she wanted to. She performed where she wanted to. She didn't. Right, that for the time that she still, you mm-hmm. know, she was able to break out of the, the I mean, well, it doesn't sound like she really got, like, what level of success was she considered? Was she, did she, was she considered incredibly when she was, um, when she, you know, it's like you're, uh, like, to be in jail and out of jail, you know, as a youngster, and then I'm assuming mm-hmm. as an adult when she yeah, was she went to jail drugs, twice, and then, like, did she, you know, she, you said she wasn't super wealthy with after touring and things, but then when she had come to Harlem. Had she been able to So basically save up? what happened is that she was always making, at one point she was making like $1,000 a week in the 30s, which again, $1,000 a week now is right. pretty good for someone out of college. <laughs> right. Yeah, or anyone yeah. really. But she, so she was making a lot of money, but drugs and bad management and people right. stealing from her made it so that she didn't always be running out of it, always having financial problems. But she was this, she was a female figure in a male-dominated music and recording world, and she sang the music she wanted, and she got her record sold and was famous really around the world, at least in the United States right. and Europe. Like, she was She was even in a movie one. Did she travel? She, tra- she, she went to she Europe, yeah. Did she perform in Europe? Mm-hmm. She, she performed in Europe, so she got to travel around the world. So probably that part of it that, that they mean that, you know, despite everything that was against her, Mm-hmm. She still accomplished she still a lot for to, someone who was faced with right. a lot of a lot of problems in her own right. life. Right. Um, an interesting thing is that I guess one thing to note is that she's known for wearing these very long gloves and all the way up to like her elbow. And that's also known as like sort of another sign of like, oh, she's probably trying to hide. The fact that she was injecting. Because she was using. Yeah, so it's it's just, it's an a weird thing to have to look at because you have one, you see the tragedy in her life and all of the sad things that happened, but then you also see this incredibly successful right, the music career of touring and selling out at Carnegie Hall. They had so many seats they put them on the stage. Like there was just so many people who wanted to see her sing, and sometimes yeah, it may have been. Oh, they just want to see if she's going to fall down because of the drugs or alcohol. Did she, had she ever done that during performance? I don't think during a performance, no. But it was just known. It was, but it was known but they, like it was in the press. Like she, she went problems. to jail for drugs. They knew, right? Like everyone knew this stuff, and she said, like, oh, oh, they just may want to come because of that. And they were like, yeah, but they're going to stay because you're a great singer, right? So she was able to, in a professional way, overcome a lot of her problems, but in a personal way, she was sort of afflicted with. Right, she had a lot. Constant. It's also that, again, her parents were less than 20 years older than her. And her father died partially because hospitals wouldn't let take him in as a black man. Wow. Then her mom died when she was in her 30s. 
which means Billy would have been in her 20s. So she was never, like her mom never really got to have this a childhood because she got pregnant when she was 13 and her father died when right. he was young as well, and though she didn't really know him all that much. But she's faced with these personal tragedies and has this professional success. Yeah, because, per- I mean, that's hard when it's, yeah, your personal life that you haven't had those support systems from when you were a kid. That Yeah, if you're that close in age to your parents, it, it's got to be it's been an interesting relationship. So there's a few things I want to mention before we wrap up, and that's um, the Club Cafe Society. Now, that was basically a hangout for left-leaning people in the 1920s and 30s, like, Basically, intellectuals, celebrities, communists, they would all come to this place. And it was one of the only integrated clubs in Harlem. And she was known as, and she was sort of like the singer there. Mm -hmm. So having faced a bunch of discrimination across the country and in her own home, she was able to play at this place, which is definitely not perfect. Definitely would probably not be seen by today's standards as being Mm -hmm. like great for race relations or just class relations or like any relations Mm -hmm. but she was sort of able to find this home in harlem where she could play to to play in in an integrated place and so i was gonna another thing that i wrote down that were there any times where it was noted that sort of a a white celebrity went to Mm -hmm. harlem did she have followers yeah so she was connected with, I mean, some names she mentioned in the book was like Bob Hope. She was connected to Orson Welles, potentially romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, she also, so in her book, again, she didn't write it. This is not believe she wrote it. It was ghostwritten by her friend. Is that a lot of, again, what now and probably then was considered derogatory language towards mm-hmm. gay people was used. Mm-hmm. Which I was reading that, I was like sort of taken aback because... I guess the first people I did episodes on were people who, both activists as well as singers. And as I was like hearing that, seeing that language in, any, in 2020, it was weird. But then in the documentary, it also said that she probably had relationships with other women. So it's just interesting right. thing seeing that someone, and again, it just could be she didn't think that word, or she was, that word's meaning has changed over time, right, or what she. To what, right. Yeah, she was definitely a foul-mouthed person just in every, even in the book. Like, <laughs> I was surprised that in the yeah. 50s they would publish this thing because there was a lot of swears in it. That's funny. So she was sort of always her own person, which has, I read different things where it talked about her being a feminist icon. And because she you know, was in this man's world, producing right. or recording her own music, being who she wanted to be, not, not taking anything from anyone. Right, right. So she's she's a very interesting person to look at. And she was definitely the most complicated so far because I've done two episodes before this. And although it wasn't cut and dry, they were, I think everyone's much more complicated than any Mm -hmm. one thing can tell. It was a much easier life story to talk about because, well, one, her biography wasn't really written in order. It was sort of confusing to follow her own storyline and then the documentaries painted such different pictures of her and then how she's remembered and how she was and like it's a very complicated person to have to construct what's also i want to mention this before we wrap up is that she was a catholic Mm -hmm. and a lot of when you think of blues singers or um 
different singers, like especially African-American singers, you'll think of sort of a large sound. And I read this in an article where it's like, oh, like choir music or like definitely yeah. having backgrounds in like a Protestant religious background mm-hmm. where her music didn't have that because she was Catholic. And it's a lot That's of... That's interesting. And, only I, and it said a lot that she really like... Her music was, it wasn't simple, but it really was a lot of her own voice. And it's like, it didn't, obviously, music technology has changed dramatically since, and it's like, since then. Well, you always laugh about auto-tuning. Yeah, about (laughs) auto-tuning. But like, even like, you think of Phil Spector's like, Wall of Sound, like that wasn't a thing. It was like the music and she was just singing. And she does have a a voice that I've never heard anyone else really even come close to because of how, I sounded like. I heard some people say shrill, but that has very negative connotations. I don't think mm-hmm. they meant it as that, but it's very, it's high pitched and like gravelly at the same time. I don't know how to describe it, but she's a very. But she's, you recommend checking it out then? Yeah, you probably should <laughs> do that. It's, she's the most interesting person or complicated person I've had to research so far. And I was looking stuff even until last night before I knew I was going to record right. this, just trying to figure out what to talk about because there's the tragedies. That are so right. easy to talk about because they happen jail a few times, run-ins with the law, abusive relationships, relations with family, racism. And there's also the fact that she was making thousand like she survived. During like near like near right. the depression era, she was making a thousand dollars a week and performing across the country to sold out places. And she started she only started in one movie where um she played a maid and she had a large she never wanted to be a maid. Because she, she always wanted more than that. And mm-hmm. her only movie role is her playing a maid. Um, so then her mom had been a maid? Her, her mom point. was a maid. Um, so that was something that she didn't enjoy. And she never right. made another movie. But it shows like there's these two. And then how she's remembered. Which is right. as a feminist icon. In some At least in some circles. But a lot of people think that she is. Because she like she was herself. Like she was even in most people in the documentaries who knew her mostly male people, mostly musicians mm-hmm. talking about her because that was the world. Right. Like right. It's not like there was a female trumpet player in the bands, much less like a black female trumpet player. And she was this black singer with white bands or with black bands or even sometimes mm-hmm. integrated ones singing her own songs. And I'm sort of, I know I'm sort of rambling, but just so I can't think of a neat end to. Well, it's just interesting. They said the two, two areas of her life that, you know, to go through such tragedy and have that personal backstory, but then to be able to step onto stage and transform yourself, you know, business-wise, to still have that going, despite what's dragging you down personally, despite what at the time were roadblocks, not you know, for, for people of color, for women, um, you know, for all of that, and to have reached a level of success um, with all that, with no backing, with no great support system, of, you know, having grown up um, in, in poverty with not, you know, parental support and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can see why people would say, well, she lived like she lived the way she wanted to. So, I mean, it's tragic because, you know, but then again, you can never, you know, stop somebody who's an addict. It's not on you. You can be there to support. But you said in some ways they were enablers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like mental, know, so it's it's not mental health services or addiction services right, were, were a thing then. Right. Um but just, it's always that that mixture of sadness that when you find somebody like this, I don't really know, didn't know much about her. Um, 
they're just, and then when you, you dig a little and just find out, then you kind of tend to think like, oh, what could have been? Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people think with her, especially, um, so on her deathbed, basically, she was, the police arrested her again because they found drugs. Wow. So again, you sort of see she was, right. faced both racism throughout her life and also a pursuit by the law of her because of her addiction. And that's not, like, it didn't help her in any way, sending right. her to jail. Right. Like, and she still, when it wasn't drugs, it was alcohol. So you see this, if an understanding, you still see these tragedies every day, but if a better understanding of what mm-hmm. addiction was in the United States was a thing, then maybe she would have lived longer mm-hmm. and produced more. And she would have, because she died right before the 60s. And you have to wonder where she really only had strange fruit as this protest song. Right. But would the, the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s, would she have come out as a... 40s into 60 year old right. artist and done more of those songs and have this another right would her voice have been amplified at that point where it's only been it was only re, that song was only like re-recorded in the 80s and has been coming since then but we will wrap up i hope this told everyone a little bit more about billy holiday and that my rambling wasn't too bad piqued my curiosity <laughs> next week we're going to be talking about gloria estefan who i realized there isn't a documentary about that i could find so i'll have to read a few books and actually listen to her music and figure out what to talk about. But we will join next week, uh, next Wednesday for that. I want to thank you all for listening. Once again, I'm Harrison Zyberg with WCCS Podcasts. Um, And thank you all and see you next week.